welcome to another episode of the Experience by Design podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brian Mazaros. Today, actually on the road in, uh, in beautiful San Diego, actually up in Oceanside. Really excited because uh, I have Brian Landman here with me, Vice President, um, running the creative studio over at Winston Retail. Uh, so Brian's worked in the fashion and footwear industry for 20 years, gaining experience in visual merchandising, store design, brand experience, and storytelling at retail and wholesale. Uh, so I've known Brian for a while, so I'm really excited to uh, to have him on the show. I wore my best uh, watermelon shirt for uh, for this occasion. So uh, welcome. Thank welcome. you. Thank you. I love the shirt, by the way. It looks Thank awesome. You. Thank you. It's very summer, and I think it's very appropriate for, for San Diego weather. So, totally. um, you know, I, I, I feel like I should turn the camera around. So I'm, I'm staring out onto, well, two things. I'm staring out onto the ocean. And I'm also staring down at the Top Gun house. So um, I'm waiting for Tom Cruise to roll up. Maverick, sorry, Maverick. I don't want to break character to, uh, yeah, yeah. to roll up and have this whole interaction with Charlie on the, the balcony of the house. So as this happens, I'll do the play-by-play um, as through our conversation. So I love that. And also you have, um, you, it seems like you're doing construction on the side while you're working. It seems like you're I, you're also building something right there, right? I thought it was just kind of a perfect sort of background. I mean, we're talking about retail design and construction. So um, so I sort of queued up the saw, the, the smaller house. <laughs> They're building the house. They're building the house. And uh, so I saw that I thought we could, we could just, I can, I can inform you of what's happening. And as this is going on, we'll just... We'll just talk about things in retail. So it's perfect. It's I think perfect. It's, part of my career is building and saws in the background all the time. So I, I, I think this this is perfect. So, you know, why not? So how are you? Awesome. <laughs> how's, how's I'm everybody? great. I'm great. I'm uh, just back from um, a week in Montana hiking and um, and a little bit of um, rafting. So I'm uh, out of my little retail world for a little bit and back nice. in uh, New York now and um you know really busy working on a lot of fun projects which is great um we are all ramping up for fall and holiday um across retail so it's there's like a great energy buzzing about, yeah. um, it's, it's nice to be really back in that mode isn't it to, to actually it is it's nice to feel the energy and everybody kind of out there you know asking and interested and ready and willing to kind of like ramp up for this exciting moment as people come out of their homes and, and start to figure out what the new normal is in retail. Yeah. Now, so what is the new normal? <laughs> I guess that's the, that's the question. Um, you know, like what, what really are those trends that, I mean, at sort of the, the top trends, I mean, we talked about a few of them, but I'm just kind of curious if like, what are your top ones that you're seeing? You know, I think that the top, the biggest thing that we're, we're looking at and, and we're hearing about is people really wanting to be super flexible, right? So it's kind of that moment of saying, like, how can we be here and be in New York or Bill be in L.A. and and really feel out the market for that, either what we would call a temporary experience or a temporary pop-up retail moment or um, kind of really trying to be in all the different markets that they want to be in, but at the same time doing it in a temporary or pop-up fashion, um, maybe doing a half-year lease or a three-month lease and, and really looking at that flexibility, also building environments that are really able to kind of like pack up and move with them and and um, be, uh, you know, you know, flexible. I hate to use that word over and over again, but it's seeming like that's what everybody is going, um, which is exciting. And then how do we connect it to digital? Really, it's top of mind in every conversation. So we shouldn't really just be building an environment that's static, right? 
there needs to be some sort yeah. of connection. It might be like buy online, pick up in store, but it also might be kind of that connecting to social media in any sort of way to kind of keep the customer journey kind of fluid. Um, and that is yeah. really top of mind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm, you know, seeing, I mean, everything I'm reading um, and, and hearing too, and it sounds like you too. I mean, digital is becoming such a cornerstone of a lot of these experiences. I guess the, you know, the other thing I've, I've seen too, you and I chatted about this is that, you know, you have pop-up experiences, but you have smaller for, format stores that seemed Correct. to be a real, I mean, it was a trend that started even before everything started to shut down. Um, but it seems like that's something that it's even more so now just with real estate prices going through the roof. And I think a lot of retailers really kind of realizing what they need to lean on the stores or what the expectation of the store is. So do you, do you see a lot more of that kind of taking better shape now that that's, you know, becoming more of a trend that people are gravitating towards? Yeah, I mean, I think that as you say, you know, as you look at pop-up and temporary, you also say, what are we looking at as a scope of a size of a store? And I think, you know, multi-leveled, you know, 10,000 square feet store is is pretty intimidating for a brand and a retailer at this point. And I think what we're starting to see is brands looking at smaller um, defined spaces where they can be more agile in the box and really be able to be also, again, back to that flexibility, they're able to kind of continue to change and flex in a smaller box, right? And that comes with a lot of great things. Yeah. Um, and, and I think you hit on one, which is like, they are not looking at spending, you know, that, you know, all that money on real estate, if they're not even sure that, you know, that they want to be in that area, or they want to be more flexible, so they can do that in a smaller environment. Does that, does that put the pressure on, on you and, and your team? And, to really be innovative and thinking out how do you maximize the space and and really showcase the brand and it's you know help them put their best foot forward in a much smaller square footage, and then how does digital kind of play into that thinking? I mean, I think you're 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 hitting it right. Like my team is really saying like, well, what is the most important thing to have in the box? And I think we're we're being challenged to think more creatively in the environment, but also we're pushing back on the brands to think. Um, at their data that they have on kind of the sales and what has been done in that market or within that zip code, even online. So if we're opening a smaller store in that market, we need to be looking at kind of the data to say, what is the right product that should be in the box and how do we connect that to the consumer? Um, and I think we're seeing that with the Nike experience where they built these Nike live stores yep. where we'll use the, the, the data from their online business to kind of inform the assortment that's going into the store, yep. right? And so they yep. don't have every SKU in the store. It's not like an old school Nike town store, which yep. was three floors. Um, and that's important to think about when we're looking at a store, you need to kind of look at the data to inform what's going in there. Yep. That's actually a good a good, a good question, um, I mean, a good point. So, you know, I think sometimes when you, you think about digital, I don't know, sometimes I, I look at about as, you know, customer facing. But then the reality is, is that just like, I think the Nike is a good example is that it's all back of house as far as a lot of the innovation and how that store is, is stocked. So do you see retail focusing a bit more on, on back of house in terms of, of digital integration? Or do you see some that are more forward thinking and saying, I could put these tools in front of them in the store to make, you know, sort of to, to, to counteract that I don't have a lot of product or I'm not carrying a lot of product in store, if, if that makes sense. No, I think that's right. I think that there's it's a two-parter, right? I think yeah, yeah. there's the there's I, I throw the these two-parters in there. The I don't even I don't even think about it. I'm like, that's a two-part question. 
No, it's, it's a two-parter. It's great. It's 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 digital is definitely important for back of house when we talk about assortment and business and the numbers, right? So that's really important and how that informs the buy and the consumer in that market. But then in the front of the house, how do we then connect storytelling and experience yeah. through digital, right? So you know the world, you know, I, I think it's kind of interesting. We're moving in a new direction where. The old school QR codes, which we all thought about 10 years ago had gone, whoop, gone, yep. have come back with the pandemic, but yeah. Yeah. technology is much easier to use than it was 10 years ago. And I think the technology was not as easy because you needed a certain app and it needed to go through a certain thing. Now, what retailers are starting to do is how do you connect and tell brand stories through the QR code, which can bring you to a whole digital experience, not only with storytelling, but could also show you all the other colors that the shoe might come in, yep. or yep. the polo might come in, whatever that might be. I mean, at Ralph, you can literally click on a QR code yep. in the store and see an entire video and lifestyle advertisement, which used to be out on the television you know, screen at home, but instead you're seeing it right there in the store. So I think we're seeing the technology come closer together inside the store, but it's also informing the back end of the store too. Yeah. Do you, do you think there's a, a challenge that's posed? Because, you know, look at it from like a visual merchandising perspective to where, you know, that team is always thinking about, you know, new layouts, new designs. It's a constant swap out. Whereas sometimes you obviously with, with digital, there's a more of a long-term commitment and placement. So is that does that pose a challenge for some of these stores that might live more on, on this sort of modular notion or, or quick change, seasonal changes, whereas digital, sometimes there's a fixed positioning to it? Does that? Well, I think actually as we move forward, and, and I'm not sure if you've noticed this out there, visual merchandising, old school visual merchandising, which, which would be these informing the store and how it was changing, as you were saying, Retailers are, brands and retailers are starting to build digital visual merchandising teams to continuously change the website so that it, it either will match what's in the store or it will be like kind of informing what's going on in the store. So they should be side by side in some sort of way. Um, and, and that, you know, big, big brands are starting to hire digital visual merchandisers, which is really exciting yeah. um, and really will help kind of you know, because product on a website usually just sits there. And I think that's where you were going, right? Like it's usually yep. just yep. the, the skew is sitting there. So how do you continue to uh, um, adjust? And I think there are many companies that have continued to kind of reinvent and remix the product. Nike is a good one who continues to retell the story online. I would say, you know, Polo has continued to uh, really innovate their website. So you might see that one Polo assorted in one area on the website and then as they bring in new product they'll mix in that older polo into a different assortment online yeah, yeah it seems like it was it was kind of interesting i mean i think over you know with, with, with covid and a lot of the, the the lockdowns i mean you saw a lot of great innovation come out on, on social and also on web and so that that kind of catapulted ahead of the store and then now that people are coming back in the store it's like they set this bar so high for that experience that the store just needs to live up, like to your point, lead, leads to live up to it. And I was, I mean, it's kind of interesting you say about the teams now that are forming. So that's actually kind of very, now it's just great optimism because that'll start to, you know, hopefully balance itself out the way the stores are, are shaping themselves. Well, and I think we need to look at retail stores and can, we can't let a retail store get 
static and boring, right? Like, and I think that we know from the last, you know, so many years of retail, you know, shrinking a bit, um, the consumer's interested in going back to the store, but why should they be going back to the store? And what, what's exciting in that store? And I think if we go back to our conversation earlier, which is like a small footprint, you're able to change that smaller footprint faster, right? It's agile. You're able to like reskin it, rethink it. Um, and then you're not reskinning and rethinking a three floor massive environment. And so um, visual merchandising teams will have the ability in, in a smaller environment to be more flexible and exciting and innovative um, in, in, in that box. Do you, do you think that all brands can, I just think I want to go with this I mean, it, There's some brands, I think like, you know, Nike's a good example. I mean, they have their own stores. They also do obviously their, their, their pop-ups and, and their shopping shops. And, but then you have, you know, some of the, I don't know, stores, the anchor tenants, the anchor guys that uh, I think are struggling a little bit um, that are testing out smaller formats, smaller formats. So Nordstrom obviously has their, their local and then Bloomies now that I, I just um, kind of came across the other day. And so, you know, it's a whole, I don't want to say, well, I mean, it's still within fashion, but it's a different category. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a it's sort of big box and um, unit guys. So, I mean, how do you see them kind of shaping their experience? Because that's, that's, I mean, they have a lot of brands underneath their roof and then to try to accommodate that all into a smaller format, obviously digital becomes a big part of that conversation. Yeah, I mean, I think Bloomingdale's, I'm very excited about this experience. I think it's really smart for them. I think it's it's the right moment um, for them to start to test a smaller um, box. I know that, you know, and just to, you know, be clear, they did go from, you know, if we think of their large flagship to like a Soho or even, you know, a Century City, those are smaller. Sure. The new, what they're calling Bloomies, which they are renaming Bloomies, um, is even smaller. So it would be in a strip mall, it would be much smaller, um, and it would be a highly edited environment and a lifestyle um, kind of center. Um, I think it's really great. I think they will need to use their digital, you know, kind of um, thought process when thinking through the entire environment and where um, they'll need to put in kind of um, places where the consumer, if they don't find the product, right, because it won't have these giant shopping shops full sure. of brand, right? Um, and I think what they'll need to do is figure out how will, how easy it, it will it be for you to find the product that you want and make it seamless so the customer went to Bloomies and never knew that it was a smaller store and they were able to get some fun surprise and delight product and still get the product they used to get at their larger store, right? And that's through digital. And I think that's going to be through like, you know, some sort of like iPad technology, some sort of, you know, very much handhelds um, yeah. with associates. I think they're going to need that. I think they're going to also want to do, you know, some fun digital shopping, which could be like an AI environment. What yeah. what can excite the customer? Yeah. Um, and, and I'm hoping that we're going to see that there. Do you, do you think this, this I, I, what I love is that it opens up this world of opportunity for all these different types of digital engagements. I think to your, to your totally. point, I mean, it's, it's not just necessarily a touchscreen, but there's all these opportunities to do more tactile experiences where you're actually touching product, but at the same time, there's a corresponding screen or another element that reacts is, is to kind of pick up part education or like you said, sort of product selection. So, I mean, do you, do you see, I mean, retail always seemed to kind of start towards more theatrics, you know, it was, it was, it was a brand experience. So do you see more of that kind of coming into play to where these, these stores are more of, of, of a real brand experience that there's theatrical side to, to retail? I mean, I think that that's the way to 
that is the, the wave of the future. And I think yeah. that that will capture the customer. Um, and I think, you know, as a person who started my career at Barney's where, you know, it was all about, you know, theatrics and making the customer feel excited, right? Um, and I think Bloomingdale's has definitely done that in a small way at um, Bloomingdale's 59th Street and key properties. So I think you're on to something. I think that, you know, if you're standing in front of the denim table and you're touching these jeans, yeah. but there's some sort of way of like, you know, bringing to life the three other colors and the and showing you a video and yeah. that's that's what we want. That's that's what the customer, yeah. <laughs> excuse me, is going to want. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, to uh, a certain extent, Nike was doing some of that too in in New York at some of their flagships. I mean, there, there was you know, opportunities to to interact with the brand or just to experience the, the clothing, um, which which well, kind of yeah. set that stage for for a new type of relationship for the the customer. I mean, I think it would be cool, you know, in in a Bloomingdale's environment, you know, with all those amazing brands, how do you bring it together for a Bloomies digital experience where you can kind of even see yourself in all the different outfits and even products that's not even in the box, right? Yeah. So yeah. again, that's it's it's all about how do you elevate and excite the consumer, and I think theatrics is a part of that, and um, and it will be interesting to see what they can do in that store. It's 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 with with stores like that. It's it's interesting because the other trend that I've, I've been seeing, I think we we talked about it slightly too, is that a lot of the brands that rely on on have the presence in those stores are accepting it because they themselves are, are realizing that they don't need to to stock the stores full of product. But if they put the tools in there, the consumer will still go, be comfortable with ordering in the store knowing that it'll be delivered to their home within you know a few days. So it seems like a lot of them have have accepted that as well. Um, that they can have their own little you know piece within, still have this really great experience that aligns with this journey, but you know, knowing that they don't have to rely as heavily again on having inventory at that store. I mean, do you do you see a lot more brands kind of gravitating to that format that, hey, we we can shrink our, our footprint down, our size, but then rely heavily just solely on on having a screen or you know, maybe a, a few, you know, product showcase, but that's enough. That's all that brand really needs to survive. Yeah. I mean, I think what we're hearing from brands and as we're having great conversations and we're in the middle of design for a couple of cool projects, I think what the, the big conversation is making sure the hero product is in the box that really drives the excitement and get people excited. And so they can try on the yeah. hero product. Um, and, and, and then from there, if there's, you know, they don't want to put every piece of product in the store anymore, right? Because it, it just, it's overwhelming for the consumer, but it's also really expensive for the retailer and the brand to be shipping all that product in, but also managing that inventory in the individual stores. So what we're seeing is people saying like, oh, this would be really great. We can have kind of that endless aisle consumer, that term, you know, it's old school, but I think the reality is, is you're able to still like, oh, I tried on these jeans in black, or in the dark blue, but in all these other colors, I can have shipped to home in two days, right? So you don't have the 15 other colors sitting in the store anymore. Yeah. Um, and and I think consumers in some markets believe that that's totally cool. And other businesses might not see that, right? So every retailer and brand is sure. very different. Sure. Um, now, now kind of switching, here's, here's something I'm kind of curious to get your thoughts on. So switching on to more of the design planning stage. So there, there's always, I think there's always a unique relationship that kind of exists between the design agency and the technology group that they, they partner with. 
so I think some in some cases there's a loss in translation moment. Um, you know, you know, I would say pixels to to drawings or however you want to sort of put that acronym. But I mean, what are what are some challenges that you see? Or, or I, I guess even if you had to kind of give advice, because I think there's a lot of ones that sit on the on the tech side, digital side, that are trying to to go after more to retail, but they don't know how to convey or, or just not speaking or understanding how they should be working together. Um, you know, I mean, I, what would be some advice? I, 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 that, if you kind of know the direction I'm getting, like how could that relationship be fostered easily? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as a person who came from the brand side, I mean, I yeah. think that, you know, I understand being on the brand side of, you know, I was basically in that world for 18 and a half years before going to the agency side, I think, I think it's about um, really building out what you're, what you can bring to the retailer or the brand or the agency, right? Like what, what, what is your sweet spot? And I think sometimes what gets lost yeah. in translation is, um, you know, digital agencies believe they can do everything and that's really wonderful, yeah. but I do believe everybody yeah. has, what do you do that, what are you bringing me? What, what can you help me with that you are yeah. the person that yeah. I should believe in? And yeah. every time, you know, and I'll say this, you know, at Foot Locker for years, I always would say to people, but what, what is your strength? What, what do I hire you for? And still at Winston, we talk about that with our vendors all the time because they're our partners. Yeah. Um, and there are some partners that can't articulate it you know, pretty fast, right? And I think that in this world where everybody is so busy and they're moving a thousand miles an hour, I think we just need to know, like, what are you coming to the table with to help me with? You know, you're going to be, what is what is your toolkit and what are you, what can you help me with and how can you solve that problem? Yeah. Um, and that's what people want, you know? And I also think like, I mean, again, I've been on both sides. I get an email all the time and it's like, you know, a lot of words. It's like, it's like three pages long email. And I'm not, yeah. and no offense, but like, that's a lot. And I'm a visual person. Yeah. Um, I'm a visual person and I'm a creative person. And so if, if you're in that world where you're trying to be creative and be solution oriented, you're going to need an agency that can articulate that pretty fast. That's actually a really good point. You, you, that was very well answered. Actually, I, I, I liked how you articulated that. Um, and I think that's a very a big a big takeaway for, for anyone because I, I agree with you. I think a lot don't know how to articulate what role they can play. Um, there's a lot of I can do it all. Um, and I think there's a lot of just, you just want the transparency and the honesty. If it's something that you can't handle, either you know suggest a partner or, or you know just together, put your heads together and, and come up with a solution for it rather than setting expectations for something that can't be delivered. Um, Cause in yeah. the end it's the client that suffers um, because of that. And I think what you're building a relationship, right? So I think at the end of the day, if you can't help them on that challenge that they have, right? How can you help them or who can you connect them with? And I think actually you, you actually, when we first met, you helped me with connecting to somebody who was really helpful. You couldn't help me on whatever that first project was that we originally talked about. But the great thing was, I always said to myself, oh, but I want to go back to Brian to work with him on a project yep. because he was so helpful at solving that problem at that moment. Thanks. And, and it's important, right? Like that's the relationship, 
perspective. And I think yeah. that sometimes, yeah. and I'm sure you see it, it's like everyone wants to be able to do everything. And that's cool. I mean, I think that's really wonderful, but yeah. you know, what can you, what can you help me with and how can you help me um, um, is really key. And also yeah. making it in a snapshot, it's really important to yeah. be able to do that from the back. No, I, I agree. And I, I think now is, is, is kind of a, a perfect time to, to kind of address that because there's so many, I think, interesting challenges that are coming to, to both of us in this, in this time between different retail trends that are emerging. And I mean, consumer trends are, are changing so rapidly these days, even more so, I think even more so now, I mean, it, it was a fair statement to say, you know, a year ago, but I think now um, there's a lot that's happening and, you know, these teams are so critical, but it's uncritical to even sort of define what you bring to the table and, and how does that complement and how do you deliver that versus um, just not having that, that conversation before diving into something. Yeah, and being able to read the room a little bit, right? Like if you're going to the creative team and the cre and you want to be able to help them in some sort of fun way or bring some sort of technology and tools to their team, you have to understand this is the creative team, right? So they're not the finance team. They're not the, you know, and they, you need to be able to speak to them and, and get yeah. them excited. So they could then pitch it to the people that obviously then approve it, right? Yeah. And so that's really, sometimes it's a, uh, you know, it's, People get upset when you know I hear, you know, well, why can't they approve it? It's like, well, they're the creative team, so now yeah. it needs to move to the next set of group of people. And I think that's about reading who you're who you're talking to and, and who the room is and, and and how the process goes. Yeah. Um, and um, and I think every visual merchandiser and store designer and creative person wishes they could just sign off on everything, but that's not normally the case. Yeah. So, so now that, uh, so, so I gather, obviously, the, the retail hotbed in um, Montana is probably not, not a lot going on in Billings or um, in Helena. Um, so I don't imagine you had a chance to see any stores uh, out in that direction. Uh, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I'm not knocking uh, those towns by, by any means. But, um, but do you, I mean, I know always a big thing was, you know, you would, you would go on, on retail excursions to, to see. Um, I myself are, are going to try to get up to um, South Coast Plaza or, or UTC out here to take a look at a couple small hmm. stories that I heard that had popped up. But are you planning, I mean, you or your, your team planning on, on going anywhere just to, to see some of these concepts that have been popping up um, around? Seems like there's, there's a hotbed down in Virginia. I've seen a, a few um, stores in, in sort of Arlington area. Um, but um, are any road trips? So no road trips at the moment. I mean, we are busy, so that's been a bit a bit hard. We've been we've been trying to get photos of everything that opens so we can see it and feel like we're in you know in it. Um, I'm I'm the first person to be posting photos of kind of what's going on out there. Um, I, we the goal would be to as I'm traveling for other projects to kind of start and like to like start to see things what's going on in the market. Um, my travels, obviously, to Montana and my other locations have not been to any of those retail hotspots. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, I think that, you know, in New York City, I, what I would say is things are happening. Um, if any, if you haven't seen the Harry Potter experience, you need to go. It's quite amazing. Um, and I, I think it really brings together experience and retail as one. Um, and it even includes food, which is kind of key, um, I think, these days to kind of wrap the whole environment together. Um, and, and, I, and I believe that it's going to be very successful for a long time because 
it was done right. Um, And I think that even some of the oldies but goodies are still out there in New York and have been refreshed. And if you haven't kind of been in the Museum of Ice Cream and down in Soho and and walking around, everybody's kind of refreshing their environments from LV to um, the Prada store. Um, Everybody's kind of like upping, you know, the game to make the environment feel fresh. Um, So each week, I don't know, as you're following it, I'm sure you're seeing like everybody's posting a new environment that's opening. Um, You know, just this week, I don't know if you saw, um, but Versace opened a very small concept store in Soho. It looks beautiful. It goes back to our conversation about being smaller is really important. And I think that when you look at a luxury brand like Versace, I think it's important, you know, it's a great space where they can kind of keep evolving the environment and be really agile in the box. Um, so I will go down and see the store in Soho, um, hopefully next week. I have not been up to American Dream yet. I'm, I'm, I'm keen, um, just, just have not. That, that one, I'm curious to see what direction they, they had because um, obviously they, they did a little bit of shift to where it's a bit more towards the, the entertainment side and a little bit less on on retail. So I'm kind of curious to see how the, the brands react and, and what comes into that mall. Yeah, so um, odd that you brought this up, but I literally had a conversation with a, a friend in the industry. Today, we had a lunch conversation and she said that <clears throat> she walked the mall. It's interesting to see who's coming into the space. Um, the luxury wing is opening, so that has been announced. Um, and so I think there's a really good mix of mass retailers and luxury retailers within the space. I would love to walk that mall. I guess we probably should do that together. We should meet yeah. there yeah. and uh, walk the mall and then go skiing in the afternoon. We, we should. This. That should be the follow-up to this. So we, we will do an on-the-spot follow-up. That's a part two, actually. We should part two. Do, I love that. Part two. And part two. Pick the skiing down the indoor ski slope. I, I think that's a good one. And then and then we go skiing and then maybe like hit the water slide too. We just we just <laughs> this is everything. And then we could do the Nickelodeon theme park. So I don't know. I love it. As long as there's no pictures of me in my swimsuit on your podcast. Yep. Done. Done. We, we can we can edit that out. We we can we need the branded like Brian and Brian do. <laughs> it's like a Brian and Brian. It. There you go. <laughs> the two Bs. <laughs> that works great. That done. works great. I mean, listen, I think that that mall will be interesting to see because originally they were supposed to be really large yeah. kind of special scores. And I do know um, that they have, you know, a lot of the stores have become smaller, right? Um, and they edited that. So it would be really interesting to see who went super small and who kind of edited out of the mall completely yep. um, and what really is opening there. Yeah. Well, I, I think we're going to have to do a tour. I think that's the only I love way it. that we can, we can find out. So um, but let's do that. Let's do it. Let's put it on the calendar. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for spending the uh, the time with me. Um, despite the you know construction, so the store is still under progress. The house is still standing, and the waves are crashing. So um, that's what's happening on that side of the camera. But uh, I but, love uh, it. I, I love it. it. It didn't bother me at all. Sorry, I had my little uh, hiccup where Zoom decided to ding in the middle. That was really interesting. It no. looks like it was ready to exit that's, us. That's the beauty of, of a live. This is we, we just we just roll with it. And just react awesome. to it. So this was so fun. I'm yeah. looking forward to part two while we walk the mall yeah. and and learn all about what's going on in New Jersey. I agree. So if you could let everyone know how do they find you, learn more about Winston and, and what you guys have been up to. 
Awesome. Well, you can definitely find uh, Wins- me at Winston Retail, which is at winstonretail.com. Um, and you can also obviously find us on social media uh, at Winston Retail. So um, reach out if you're looking for any sort of store design, store build experience, branding, um, merchandising, um, or even like training and development for your retail brands. Perfect. Well, thank you very much. Thank you to everyone for, again, listening to, to this episode of the Experience by Design podcast. As always, I'm Brian Mazaros. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at OpenEye Global, also on Twitter at Brian Mazaros. And stay tuned. We have part two. Uh, we'll be coming up where uh, B&B go to the B&B go to the mall. We, we got to think of a better title. I love it. But, but it's something. Yeah, it's a stay, stay tuned. We'll come up with it. Maybe we have a theme song. Maybe we'll have a theme song. We'll sing as we oh. enter at the door. So I don't know. I don't know. This can go anywhere. So <laughs> it's going to be yeah. fun. It's going to be fun. So, so till next Very time. Exciting. Thanks for listening. Thanks again, Brian. And we'll talk to everyone soon. Bye.